On this podcast, we explore the biases. My problem wasn't so much that I was a woman, but that I was a German woman. Freedoms. But really, for me, hitting 50s, I was just winding up. Challenges. A woman of your age, a chance. I don't know if you're tired, lazy, don't know what you're doing. We're willing to give you the opportunity. And the power. You increase your income by 300%. That come from being female and 50. Oh my goodness. The story behind this story. I'm curious now, what did you do? I loved the concept of your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a mom? Do you have pets? Yeah. What did you want to be when you were oh, a little girl? Oh my goodness. Wow. Watch out world. We're 50 and we're not dead yet. I'm your host, Cameron Huban, and it's my pleasure today to introduce Rachel Denise. Rachel is a fellow Gonzaga alumnus, and she is the Senior Order Fulfillment Manager at a large tech company in Seattle, Washington. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure to have you here today. And to start, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, I think that would be great. So I'm a, a mom. I've been married for almost seven years. So... Yeah, we yeah, just, you know, a little family that, you know, kind of grew over during quarantine and we're kind of coming out and, you know, exploring and starting to to explore the the world with our son. So Oh, nice. Yeah, I know of a few people who had who either had babies right before or during quarantine and feel like they're getting a little bit back to normal now, which is probably really nice. You know, when I contacted you for a podcast called 50 Not Dead, what went through your mind? I was really intrigued by the the title. And I um, uh, it, it's something that, that I've always kind of thought about. And um, I was listening to another podcast. I'd started listening a few years ago. And um, it, it's focused on telling women's stories. So women throughout history and one of the the common themes is that you know women especially you know not not too long ago kind of had to start having their their families they'd get married have their kids and then you know right around 50 when once their kids were raised they were able to kind of do what they they wanted to do um, and so that that's kind of always been in the back of my head and then as well as seeing you know in, in the workplace you know 50 kind of being a um a big age um, for for women. So seeing women, you know, kind of cl- climb up the ladder, and then once they hit fifty, kind of being told they're, you know, may maybe not not as valued and um, not no longer there in, in their position. So I felt like it was really interesting, and um, I started listening to the the podcast, and it was really great hearing different women's stories and just how much. Um, or, or how similar s- stories are like, you know, you, you get a lot of really hard working women, really smart women, and we're all facing kind of the, the same challenges. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate that. And, you know, uh, when we were speaking before, it sounds like so far you haven't experienced ageism, but it's something you've seen and have worried about. Is that a fair point? Fair statement? Yeah. So, you know, I saw it when I was early in my career and and heard about it and it was always kind of, um, you know, something that was known, but never, you know, explicit, of course. 
Um, and so, you know, when you're young, you don't really worry about it because you're still trying to learn and figure out what you want to do. But kind of as I've gotten older and as I've gotten closer to 50, so I'm not I'm not 50 yet. I turned 46 this year. So it's, you know, right around the corner. Um, but it's something that's always kind of in the back of my head where, you know, it, it, am I going to be at a place where, you know, le- leadership or management or whoever makes the decision says, you know, hey, you know, we're we're ready to move on. So it's definitely something that I think about a lot. Yeah, I think with women, you know, to your when you were speaking a moment ago, when you're saying, oh, 50 is a big age. And I was thinking, like, oh, she's going to have a story of something good. Like 50 is when you like, like hit the hit your stride. And it was like, oh, nope, this is the same story. And isn't that it's, it's heartbreaking, right? It's like, you would expect, or I would hope that I would hope that we could expect that 50 is exactly the age that we hit and that where we can really hit our stride because it's the time when we bring all of this knowledge to the table. And if we have children, they're probably not too little anymore. And, and instead to your point, what we hear over and over again is like, Oh, okay you're no longer, it's almost like you're past the point of being worth investment, which I think is really, I think that's the scary part. And the part that we're just like, well, shit, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's weird. It's weird because it's always, you know, it's been in the back of my head, but I've always seen 52 just you know, that's the age where I'm hopefully going to feel like I've got it all together. And I, you know, I know what I want and I know what I'm good at and I'm not there yet, but I feel like, you know, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better and more confident and, you know, what I'm able to do. So it's kind of a weird feeling because you think you're getting better and you think you're still learning and you think you're hopefully contributing a little bit more where you're not just, you know, asking questions, but you're able to, to help other people um and make an impact hopefully but then it's you know there's this other thing where it's like well is is that valuable yeah and your comment is I think 100% true I think that once you hit 50 you really do have a lot of that figured out I mean having it all figured out okay that might be right I mean like okay maybe I'm stretching it a little bit but certainly in terms of recognizing what we don't like, what we do like, what we're good at, what we're maybe good at, but we don't like doing anyway, and being able to self-advocate. I would agree that when you get to your 50s, that you do, you've earned that. And I think that part of what I want to do with this show for sure is to say, okay, let's, let's come up with creative ways of how do we make sure that we're combating that idea of like, you know, yeah, you're all done because nobody I know is all done at 50. I mean, I don't know anybody who's just like, yeah, I don't want to learn anymore. And I don't want to be challenged anymore. And even people that I know that are really, really wealthy and maybe don't need to work for that financial means, they would get completely bored and go out of their mind without you know, without a challenge of continuing self-growth. So I think that there's a lot of conversations we still need to have. And 
in the company where you're in and in, well, in the industry you're in, in tech, for example, do you feel like you can have frank conversations about that? Like, could you say, hey, you know, I'm, I have all of this experience behind me and I am ready now to put that to use in a broader capacity, for example. Do you feel comfortable like that would be welcomed or not so much? So I, th that's interesting because I think tech in general is fairly young, right? So it's not like you've had te tech workers for, you know, 60, 70 years, like, you know, automotive or, you know, retail but one of the things, you know, where I'm at, what they're doing is that they've started um, like mentoring rings for for women. So you get women, not necessarily the, the same age, but kind of the same level. And so there's, you know, this group of support where you can um, t t talk about things. So, you know, what whatever, um, you know, whatever is top of mind for the, the people in the group or or the leaders. So I think maybe not directly, but indirectly. Um, where I'm working, they're trying to carve out space so that, you know, women's voices are heard. So for me, I think I'm very lucky with the the group that I'm in, the, the boss that I have, and kind of what they're doing um, at a larger scale in the organization to tr try to make sure, you know, women especially ha have a place to, um, to go. So I, I think I do, but I I don't know if that's typical for other people and other companies or even other orgs mm -hmm. um, in my company. So I feel like I'm pretty lucky, but I don't know that that's everyone's experience. Yeah. Some of the things that I've heard, and it's interesting because I've heard of like a big variance of answers for women in tech uh, from, yep, no ageism. And I'm running this place and I, I yep, there's... I've had an experienced it and everything is, is equal to, yeah, by the time you're 30, you pretty much get weeded out. And by the time you're 40, there are only men and that, that women in their fifties just have no place in tech. So like the, the whole gamut. And so it sounds like you're in probably like one of the happier middle grounds. It sounds like at least there's a place where there's, like you said, they're making room for women's voices, which when I think of like my daughter who's 12 and think of like the STEM education that is put in place across the country, it was like, I would certainly hope that it's like, oh, you know, and I mean, and I don't care if she goes into tech, that will be totally up to her. But if she does, I certainly hope that her voice will have a place if she continues, you know, and has the chance to continue up the ladder. When you're talking about these circles, have you heard anybody else in there express any fear about age as a woman? Um, I, I don't know that we've talked, you know, um, explicitly about age. There's, you know, other, you know, maybe other um, factors that come into it, um, you know, to pr when, it, when it comes to promotions, you know, it's, that that's always hard because some people get promoted, some people don't. But if you see a lot of men get promoted, that that's also hard, right? And um, you know, it's kind of not not necessarily a conversation specifically about age, but definitely about you know 
what do we do to get to the the next level? Um, yeah. And actually, I just realized in my last comments where it's almost. And I've I've had this conversation in other episodes where detangling sexism and ageism can be really tricky. Is that a fair point? Um, I, I, I think so, because I think it's hard. I, you know, I, we talked before and I feel like with my boss and his boss, I feel like, um, I'm not necessarily like, they're not doing anything to, to hold, hold me back. Like they're definitely very supportive. And, um, when I wanted to do training and stuff, but I also know not everyone's like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Not, not everyone has the same level of support, but also not everyone has the same quality of manager. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can put people into manager positions or give them titles and maybe they're good at jobs, but maybe they're not good at at managing and giving their employees the support they need. And I think that's kind of one thing that I appreciate about my boss right now is because he always listens. He, he might not agree or, you know, maybe, maybe he, you know, isn't on the same page, but, you know, one of the things he's done really well for me is just li- listened. Oh, and huge. I mean, yeah, with yeah. any boss, right. And in, in, in any industry, it's, that's what we all want to be heard. Yeah. And I feel like maybe, you know, in the past in tech, maybe there always hasn't been that focus to make sure managers are, you know, not just good at, you know, being an engineer or whatever their role was before, but are they good at being a manager? Mm -hmm. And what do you hope for in, in your tech career? One, do you hope to stay in tech? And two, what are your aspirations? Um, I, I do like, so I, I would like to stay in tech. I think it's still, you know, a growing industry. So there's still a lot of room to, um, do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And I think what I want to do is still, I'm still trying to figure that out. So I I've been pretty lucky in the, the group I've been in, I've been able to, um, kind of grow at my own pace and there's always been challenges, but I've also been able to have a little bit of balance with being a mom when I joined my team shortly after I got pregnant. And so my entire career with this team has been trying to balance, you know, work and, and being a mom and they've definitely given me the the room to do that. So, um, I, I like what I'm doing now, but I, I, I am definitely thinking about what should I do next or what do I want to do next? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I I haven't decided I don't have anything. Um, I'm not someone who who's set on, you know, I want a certain title or, you know, a certain salary or anything like that. I want to make sure when I'm at work, I, I, um, you know, have a good relationship with whoever I'm reporting to, but also that I'm, you know, interested in what I'm doing and I'm challenged where, you know, I'm not just kind of you know, coming to work and pressing some buttons and waiting for the, you know, waiting for the the clock to say five o'clock. I, I want to make sure that I'm interested in what I'm doing. And there's something that we're a problem that we're solving. Yeah, I think that makes sense in terms of you want to have, if you're going to spend the whole day, it's nice to be engaged, <laughs> right? 
what is your superpower? Like, what do you do really, really well? Um, that, that, that's a hard question because I feel like I'm always trying to, um, I, I know when I make mistakes. So I think about the mistakes more than I think about anything that I'm really good at. Um, I, I think, you know, one thing is that I'm consistent. So, you know, if we need to do something, um, you know, I find a way to make sure that it gets done, you know, relatively the same time in the same way so that if um, something unexpected happens, we catch it and we call it out. Mm -hmm. I think um, I've been pretty good at building relationships. So Mm -hmm. I I don't consider myself a a people person or or someone who's outgoing or extroverted anyway, but I feel like I've done a pretty good job of building relationships with um you know, the, the people that I work with both internal and external as we've, you know, brought up, um, other teams to, to where we need them to be. So I, I think I've learned a lot over the years, but I, I, I think I'm pretty good at, at doing those, at doing that. So building relationships and just being consistent with de- delivery. Yeah. And it's interesting when you were saying that you're not extroverted and not a, not necessarily a people person. I would never know that because you come across as just very, very, and not that introverted people aren't friendly, but you're, but you, but you come across as very easy to talk to as very friendly. It doesn't surprise me at all that you're, that you're good at building and maintaining relationships, you know, how comfortable you are going into a big giant room of people is a different thing. Um, but you certainly come across as approachable and, um, uh, just warm and friendly. Yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel, I I don't know. I, 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 maybe it's different for work because I, you know, there's usually a purpose behind, you know, why we're talking to someone or, you know, why we're in a meeting. So I think if I'm, able to focus on, you know, what we need to get done, that makes it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And I try to, you know, re- remember to to have a conversation, you know, with, um, you know, that it's not just, you know, a, a robot on the other side of the call, it's people that, you know, I've also worked with the, the same people from for many years. So for some of us, you know, our families have grown together, our kids are, you know, the same age, or, um, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of common ground. So I, I think it's easy to, to build those relationships when you're, you know, got kids yelling in the background of meetings or dogs barking or, you, you know, during quarantine, it's everyone is baking bread or remodeling <laughs> their homes. So <laughs> yeah. we, we, we found ways to, to find common ground, but um, yeah, I feel like it's not my, my inclination, but it's definitely easier when it's, you know, we have a reason to talk versus maybe just if you're walking down the street and seeing someone. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Do you think that other people's perception would mirror mine? I, I've gotten similar feedback. So I think, I, I think may, maybe they, they feel the same way. So yeah. You know, I, I hopefully, you know, our conversations are enjoyable, you know, when we reach out and I haven't seen someone for a while, it's always nice to just, you know, do do a quick chat off to the side to say, you know, hello and stuff. But yeah, I would expect that they would have a similar, um, a, a similar perception that I've had. And I've only met you a couple of times, but you just have a very, very nice demeanor. 
Coming back to this ageism situation and topic, one of the things that you had asked was, you know, how can we call out ageism when we see it? And, and you know, whether we feel comfortable doing that. And it's a tricky thing, right? I think sometimes when we see it, it's so shocking. Like if you see, it's like, oh, wow, somebody's department was, they were here and now they're gone. And it seems really obvious that everyone in their age group just got walked out the door in a layoff. That kind of thing. Do you have any idea whether or not you'd feel comfortable confronting anybody? I I think it would depend on who it is and kind of the, you know, the the context. You know, I probably wouldn't do it in a big, big group, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe outside of my my team at work. but. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the, you know, calling out ageism or um, sexism too, or, you know, mm-hmm. r- racism, right? Mm-hmm. It, like, it's kind of hard because sometimes I think if you hear something or see something, for me, the first thing is, I, I question it, like, did, did I really hear it that, mm-hmm. that way? And then, you know, depending on how well you know the person, like, how do you give that feedback? And so if you know someone well, I think it's a little bit easier, but if it's, you know, not someone, you know, how how do you start a conversation by saying, you know, Hey, that was really, you know, a ageist or or sexist, Mm -hmm. or you know, racism, I think is maybe a, a bigger conversation or maybe a more common conversation, but I think the ageist, you know, if you hear it or or see it, that's not something that people are even talking about a lot. Oh, super interesting. And you know what? And I can't disagree. I think I'm talking about it a lot. So I hear it. I mean, I, I hear about it. I think about it. But, you know, I was telling you that I had just gone to this. It was like a web-based forum last week and they were talking about it. And they're saying that ageism is one of the most prevalent forms of discrimination, but one of the least talked about. So it's not surprising to hear that you've had that similar experience that it's, and it's almost because it's so prevalent that we forget that this part of the, part of the problem. I'm hoping that we can, we can change that because we're all going to age, you know, it's, it's like going to happen to all of us. And in, in the company that you're in, is there an avenue? Like if you, if, if you saw something, would you feel comfortable going to HR? I would probably not go to HR first, but I would probably find someone to, to talk to. So, you know, I feel pretty, pretty fortunate that um, I feel like, you know, uh, again, I, I feel like I have a boss I can trust, but I feel like mm-hmm. I have, you know, peers that I, I can talk to and, and ask. Um, and even, you know, the, the mentoring ring that I'm a part of, you know, that that's maybe one of the the first places I would go to, to just, you know, get, get their f- feedback mm-hmm. on, you know, kind of the, the situation since, um, you know, it's probably something I, I assume that, you know, they, they've all encountered or seen or had some sort of experience with. Um, but I feel like I would, 
HR might not be the first step, but I feel like I would probably re- reach out to to someone to to ask for feedback. Uh huh. Yeah, I think that isn't necessarily surprising. It's really nice, I think, if you report to somebody that you trust and that you feel you can have two way conversation with and have a place to go and at least to bounce an idea off of like, hey, this seemed kind of odd to me, you know, or, or this seemed really blatant to me. I think having that kind of relationship is, is hugely helpful. And then I love the fact that there are mentoring circles, that there are places to go for people to talk about issues. I mean, that is a, a, it's a big step forward in, in a lot of ways. And it maybe shouldn't seem like such a big deal, but I think it's really important, especially as we look at um, the way that the world is changing, right? I mean, people aren't all in the office. People, yeah. some people were hired probably never in the office and and some people might be hybrid. And then how do you, it's like, oh, where do you, how do you build that rapport so that you can take any of those kind of concerns or even just, like you said, if it's a mentoring circle, I'm assuming that it's meant for growth and discussion of, kind of anything that's relevant to the company or the well-being of the employee. Is that a fair point? Yeah. yeah. And I, I will say, I think my, the, the group I'm in, like the, the leaders are really good at being, you know, pro- proactive and very open with communication. Um, but there's also, you know, a couple of people that really help move the discussion forward. So it's not, you know, the, the ringleaders, just doing all the talking there there's people that you know kind of jump in and participate and i think that helps everyone else feel comfortable to to participate so um and i think it's not just you know talking but you know people are very open and very you know much you know this is our our own space you know it's not meant for you know you know bosses or managers or you know anyone outside our circle so I think they've done a good job of, you know, fostering, you know, that that trust and then having people who are demonstrating it by by opening up, I think has definitely made a big difference. Nice. Oh, that's I think that's a really nice model. Oh, well, Rachel, thank you so much for being on with me today. And if um, any of our listeners would like to reach out to you, is it okay if I put your LinkedIn information in the show notes? Would that be all right? Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, because I am sure other people out there in tech that have either a similar experience or might want to share experience with you. I really appreciate you coming on. I think that tech is an important place that we look at for ageism and for women in general, because I agree with you. It's still, I mean, it's an industry that is, that's growing, that's not going away and that's so integral into so much of what we do. So I absolutely appreciate your comments and your point of view. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for for having me. It was great to to talk to you and, you know, kind of talk about the the challenges that we have. Oh, my pleasure. If you'd like to share your story or your ideas on how to move this discussion forward, I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact me at Cameron at CameronHuban.com or visit my website, www.CameronHuban.com. Oh, 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 o